Hey everyone! Welcome to Movie Films with Bill and Steve. I'm Bill. And I'm Steve. Movies talk! So let's talk movies. I think we should talk about these movies. That's what we should do on this Merry Christmas. That's right, this episode is dropping on Christmas itself. We're recording it... this live, we gave up our families. That's right, I told my family, you know what family? Uh, get out of my life. I don't need you. I, I, I don't need any of you. When I grow up, I'm, I'm living alone. I'm living alone. I'm living alone. <laughs> well, maybe Santa will bring you a new family. Jesus Christ. Why would you say that to your child, you piece of shit? All they ate is cheese pizza. So, Bill, are you going to be, like, a, a tiny bit of a brat kid, but not, like, nothing too extreme, you know, very justifiable for someone your age, and then literally everyone in your family is going to treat you like dog shit, yet the message is about how that kid was in the wrong for wanting them to leave? Yeah. Kevin's family sucks. They learned nothing from the first film to the second film. Nope. Everyone's terrible, except for Kevin's dad. I think Kevin's dad is fine. Kevin's dad is okay. He's not a great dad, but he is not shitting on his son at any point in the films. Well, he has a lot of other kids to take care of. Yes, he does. You know, it's not, Kevin isn't a single child here in this situation. Nope. So, I mean, it's not... You know, he already raised Buzz. Yep. Bang Oof. of job. <laughs> uh, this is the last uh, episode, last episode of the podcast and such for the... 2016 2016 was a great year nothing bad happened it's all okay that's a great joke every podcast is making so we're gonna jump right in there because no fruit is too low hanging for us hey i don't give a shit 2016 has overall been pretty good for me so Uh, yeah i never i (laughs) i don't doesn't bother me i'm just some white guy that lives in the midwest i got to make cares hell and it came out and a lot of people like it so fuck yeah 2016 fuck yeah 2016 Best year Hell ever. Hell yeah. Best year ever. And so, uh, but Steve, how are you doing this week? Let's, let's fuck this whole year-long perspective for right now. Right now, we're in the here and now. How are you doing? Doing okay. Uh, my wife and I put in a bid on a house. They accepted our bid, which was way faster than I was expecting. So now I'm in a rush to get some cash out of my IRA. I hope I get it in time um, before everything goes to shit. Uh, but that's going pretty well. The amount of money that I'll actually need upfront cash is not that much. Uh, because fortunately, since uh, my wife and I are so poor, our the state that we live in has this like buyer's assist second mortgage thing, which goes towards closing costs and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's a ten year long mortgage, but like zero interest. It's like twenty five, twenty eight bucks a month to pay that off. Um, but that takes care of uh, most of the closing costs and a chunk of the down payment and stuff. So I only need like like a thousand bucks cash up front for this house. Wow, that's not much at all. Right. That's like two months rent. Exactly. Um, and so that's going well. So the only, uh, at this point, the only hope is that the actual mortgage process itself goes well. You know, no, there's no speed bumps. Nothing comes up that prevents us from actually getting fully approved for the mortgage because we were pre-approved. Mm-hmm. But, you know, who fucking knows? Yeah. <laughs> um, they could go looking and be like, well, in 2008, you didn't, like, tip a waitress, so we can't approve your Can't approve us. Um... So that we got that going on. The house itself is pretty cute. I like it overall. Um, there's another house that I liked more, but its location was dog shit, so we did not go with that. Yeah. But this place has, you know, it's decent size. It's not huge, but it's bigger. It is bigger than what we have now, which is all that we were looking for. It has two bathrooms, so that my wife can stop bitching about how long I like to take a shit. And it has a pool. Boom! Shitting and pooling. That's all you need. That's all you need. 
That's all you need. Um, it also has a driveway and a garage, which is nice. And so no more on-street parking bullshit that I gotta deal with, which is what I gotta deal with in my current apartment. Slash townhome slash fiveplex. Where I live is weird. It's technically an apartment, but it's got three floors and two bedrooms. It doesn't feel like an apartment. It feels like a townhouse. Yeah, it's kind of strange. But there's four other units in this building. I've honestly never seen anything like this before in all the places that I've lived. From uh, looking at it, it always looked like a really large house that someone cut apart and converted into many homes. Yeah, that's definitely what it seems like. Yeah. But that's that's personal life. Uh, otherwise, I'm doing pretty great from the media standpoint because fucking Carousel, baby! It's on three top 2016 lists this year. So far. So, so far, far, a lot of people don't do their best of lists until January. Right. We're cutting edge here. So, you know, it may get on more. I'm not expecting it, but it may get on more. So it's on um, Gross Movie Reviews, named it number two best movie of the year. That's best movie, not best horror movies. What was uh, around it on the list? On, let me bring it up real quick. Yeah, uh, I give me two, Give me two seconds here. I know number one was The Barn, which is a gr- great film. You know, it's up to you whether you like it more or less, but I thought that it was a very well-made film, and it definitely deserves that spot, you know what I mm-hmm. mean? Uh, number three was The Final Girls, uh, which you didn't like the trailer of, but the trailer worked for me, but I still haven't seen the film yet. Yeah, I heard a lot of people praise the film. It's another one of those cases. I'll give it a shot sometime, but it's convenient for me to check out. Uh, followed by Freaks of Nature, Conjuring 2, Auntie Lee's Meat Pies. Number seven, The Survivors, directed by Steve Rodzinski, that hack. Oh, whoa. That that hack hassle. Yeah, so two movies of mine in the top in uh, Gross Movie Reviews top ten, followed by The Monster, Let Us Pray, and Ghosts of Johnson Woods, Dreaming Purple Neon. It's a tie for tenth place. Uh, then there was also on the top ten horror films of 2016 at HorrorBuzz.com, and this list was put together by a very legitimate uh, Hollywood script screenwriter, Michael Veretti. Varati, Varati. I am treating his name like people teach my name. I feel like an asshole. They teach your name in schools? They will at art at film schools in the, in, in the future. They're going to be like the works of Steve Rudinowski. <laughs> God damn it. That would be my fucking legacy. I would be that guy that got so lucky that I'm in history books and so unlucky that they would get the name completely wrong. <laughs> um, Carousel was 10th placed on his list uh, with Holiday surpassing it, which I disagree with, but whatever. <laughs> I, I uh, didn't see it. So I the Love that. Witch, which looks good. Anti Birth, which is interesting. Not my cup of tea, but I get it. Carnage Park, which was good. Uh, Train to Busan, which was good. Uh, Hush, which I haven't seen. The Invitation, which I've heard great things about. The Green Room, and Ten Cloverfield Lane. Oh, yeah. number- was, ten, was Ten Cloverfield Lane this year? Yes, it was. When did that come out? August. Uh, something like that. I forgot all about. I forgot. I totally forgot that movie came out this year. <laughs> I didn't he- see it. So, see, so, yeah, that was his number one. Uh, so Carousel was 10th place on that list, and of course, we also made it to the top five most unusual horror films of 2016 on iHorror.com, and I call that a big win in my book, Mm -hmm. where there was, um, Where Skeeto Nazi Hunter, uh, (laughs) Diana, When Blackbirds Fly, number one is a film called Harvest Lake, number two on the list was Carousel. Nice. So, So it is the... When you look at two different lists, it is the second best and the second most unusual film of the year. Right on. And I'll take that. So I, I consider that great. Um, getting on a list like this is a big deal because movies that I've made have never really gotten onto lists like this because they're usually so weird or like they're just trying to be more straightforward mm-hmm. um, with their comedy. Um, 
<clears throat> so to be able to get on lists like this is not only very humbling and very cool, it makes me feel better about the film, it also helps a lot with distribution, because you can say that you're on these top ten lists, and it also helps a lot, honestly, with marketing. Because the people that made the other films, or fans of the other films, share those lists, and more people see Care as Hell. Yeah. So it's a it's a nice kind of like cross-marketing thing. It helps everyone that's on the list. And oh, after yeah. I got on those lists, I've actually gotten a few more sales of Carousel, so bada-bing. Yes! And I also saw Rogue One, but we can talk about that after I ask, How you doing, Bill? I'm doing great! I've seen Rogue One three times. Which <laughs> might uh, give a spoiler to how it might place on my top five. I've been doing a lot. I, I Although today, as we're recording this, I started my vacation. I am off work until January 5th. That's a good fucking vacation. Because we were, you know, holiday days dropped and stuff, and I had, you know, PTO to use, so I just used it all. I think I'm going into 2017 only had, only missing out on using one hour of PTO, so I used all of it. <laughs> Suckers. Get some get some sweet-ass vacation time. I celebrated that today by getting up at 9 o'clock, and we got breakfast, had some pancakes, it was awesome, did some more... Shot last minute shopping, got a couple things from some people. I also just you know drove around town, went down to the Peoria Riverfront Museum here in Peoria, Illinois, and I went to their their quote unquote bit giant screen theater, which is an IMAX. Uh, I will never go to that theater ever again. Great wow. uh, parking to try to get there was was a hassle because there's 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 public parking, but all the everything down downtown is like a two hour limit on weekdays for public mm. parking. And I'm going to go see a movie, so I'm going to be there longer than two hours. And I, knowing my luck, something something stupid will happen. I saw a lot of people leaving the theater walking back to the public parking, so clearly they didn't care. So I had to park in his parking deck, and I forgot I needed $3, so I have to mail I have to mail my money in now. Uh, but then the ticket price wasn't that bad. It was ten fifty, which that was okay. The concessions was my first, like, kind of annoyance, because I got a medium combo. So I got a medium popcorn and a medium drink. It was $9.00. But everything was really it was way smaller than I think it should have been mm-hmm. compared to the theater I normally go at. That's a, that is a Goodrich theater. I normally go with that one all the time, and I feel like a medium is much larger. Like an actually, you actually get a like a you know decent sized bucket at a medium. Right, medium at this medium at this theater was like a kind of a small bag, not like a small tiny bag like you're imagining, but like maybe double of the small tiny bag. So that's a medium, and the drink okay. it was just kind of like this is this is ludicrous, and the popcorn mm-hmm. wasn't even that good. And so then, oh, that sucks. Nothing pisses me more off than like mediocre or bad movie theater popcorn. Well, it's because they didn't even have butter. What the fuck is the point of this theater? Why does it exist? I well, it's attached to a museum that Caterpillar spent money to build. Uh, but then the theater itself was kind of weirdly set up, and it, the, I, I think something was wrong with the projector. Because it looked like the contrast was off. Like, the blacks were not nearly as black as they should have been. And it looked like in the middle, like, maybe, like, middle area of the screen looked a lot brighter than it needed to be. Okay. So, comparatively, there's an, a Carmack Theater, which I guess Carmack got bought by AMC. Yes, there's a Carmack did. Theater that has a couple IMAX screens. And I, I, I didn't go to that because I thought, oh, the one downtown, that must that might be different. So, I'm going to try that one out for today. I will never go back to that theater. I will just stick with the Carmack for the few times a year I want to see an IMAX film. Fair. Because it's like, that that's my experience. So, for anybody listening to this podcast, if you've ever come to Peoria, Illinois, I do not recommend the Riverfront Museum. <laughs> it can piss right off. And it's, quote-unquote, giant theater screen. Uh, but other than that, doing, doing great. That's awesome. 
So uh, what did you think of Rogue One? Uh, well, we can't talk about it yet, Steve. Oh, okay. We, we, I might be on some of our top fives. Spoilers. And when we wrap up the year that was 2016. Sorry, but, River. I saw a meme that made me laugh, which was like, I think River Song is uh, the teacher from the Magic School Bus. Yeah, people have said that a lot. Oh, I've never. That's my first time seeing it. I'm sorry. I'm old news. Yeah, old news. Steve, Steve, old news. Rudinowski. Rudinowski. Rad Radzinski. Radzinski, my favorite fucking title. But before God. we look in the past of the past 2016, let's look at the year, the here and now, right now. More Power Rangers news. Oh boy, I bet it's even better. More good news. I bet it's good. No, this is going to be the design that I like, Bill. This design, they can't all be bad. There has to be one design that's really good. Okay, so let's talk about Goldar. Fuck! <laughs> let's talk about Gold R. Drippy right. Gold Man. Drippy Gold Man, seriously. That looks like the Megazord, or whatever the fuck they're going to call it in this film. This, like, doused in gold. It looks like Smog at the end, and uh, Desolation of Smog, the Hobbit film, where Ooh. they dump gold all over him, and he's all liquidy. Yeah, and it looks hype as shit, because it's a dragon. But it still looks like a dragon, and not just Drippy Gold. This is a dri- Drippy Gold Man. That's Goldar. That... Just, just when I saw the appearance of it, that's why I made the joke of gold hyphen R because some Hollywood executives are like, "Oh, it's Goldar. Oh, he'll look like this." Yeah, and it's like that's not, but that's not what Goldar looks like at all. At all. Even like the new version of him in like one of the Mega Battle films that we watched. Yeah, a that year we watched. Ago. He still has a blue face and gold armor. Like yeah, he's still he's... like a blue monster wearing gold armor. He's not yeah. a hunk of gold brought to life. Drippy gold man. God, this movie. Mm-hmm. And then they they released all the toys now. You can see them. And uh, the 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 Mastodon is called a Mastodon, but it has eight legs. And shoots webbing? It shoots webbing, yeah. <laughs> and then the Triceratops has six legs. Why not? Why not? I don't understand. Fuck it. And the Pterodactyl still looks like Megatron. Yes, it does. From uh, the first Transformers film. But I'll be fair and say that I don't hate the saber-toothed tiger. It's yellow. It has four legs. I see some of its, like, saber teeth. Um, And the T-Rex, while I don't like it, at least is a T-Rex and is red. This whole movie is a mistake. Seriously. It just, everything it keeps on being worse. Everything is worse every time. Every time. Well, the summer. Let's check it out. I did see, uh, when I saw Rogue One on opening night on Thursday... Oh, yes, that's, that's opening night. Uh, first off, I was greeted by 25 minutes of trailers for some reason. Mm-hmm. But I did they did show the, Mighty, the the trailer for Power Rangers here, and everyone laughed afterwards. Good. That's the greatest reception you could hope for your film, is people laughing at your trailer. Just laughing. Oh, God. I, what, I heard one guy just in, like, the back of the theater just quietly say, I don't think it looks like Power Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we've been saying it a lot. It, this is Jim and Holograms all over again. Mm-hmm. You have a film that is targeted towards nobody because you it's not interesting to general audiences and your hardcore fans are being burned by it and hate it. Yep. So although unlike Jim, there are people already coming out being apologists for this film saying, well, it's a reboot. It's a reimagining. It's got to be different. But it's like it's so... Like, they keep on using the song, which is great, don't get me wrong, I'm glad they're at least using the theme. One of my criticisms uh, with the Transformers franchise is that we still haven't gotten a ha-ha-ha, like, even in the score. Yeah. And that's fucking dumb. Um, but, like, everything is so clearly, like, 
people keep on wanting to say that it's, it's a reboot, it's a new imagining, it's standalone, you can't compare it to the other stuff. But, like, they keep on trying to market it with the nostalgia, so it clearly isn't a standalone thing. Yeah, it's supposed to be casting on nostalgia, but like, you're doing a terrible job of it because this is nothing like people remember it being. Right. There's nothing connecting them except the name Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the fact that they these kids all they have these names, in which I was noticing other things. Like in the trailer, like they're calling Kimberly Uggo and Ugly and all this stuff. It's like, yeah, she sure is ugly. Yeah. Oh, she she cut off her hair. She's such a rebel. So such an ugly rebel. Fuck, jeez. Like they they want the nostalgia money. They want to cash in on that. But like, unlike Star Wars and Marvel, and like, don't get me wrong, we have our own criticisms with Marvel. Mm-hmm. But like, they aren't. This movie isn't willing to show respect to what the fans fell in love with in the first place. Yeah. Or like what the later seasons of the series got better on. And again, I, the rebuttal to that, which I strongly disagree with, is people saying like, "Oh, but like this isn't Power Rangers RPM or in space. This is Mighty Morphin. And Mar- Mighty Morphin wasn't good." I'm like, "Okay, are you saying that you want them to make a shitty movie? Because they're also failing at making it a campy, cheap movie too. Like, I don't understand your argument here. Like, yeah. this is all. This is a shitty Mighty Morphin adaptation as is. Whatever." <laughs> whatever just slap it on the poster a big star Wars, whatever. <laughs> like either make a new movie successfully or make a nostalgic movie successfully they're trying to do both which alienates both of the groups that they're trying to cash in on yeah i think this movie is going to be a big old stinker and i mean if you listen to early podcasts like while i was cautious i was cautiously optimistic I was like, I think that I think they're going to try to get some good writers i think they're going to have fun with it and i kept on being wrong more and more every time every time I I think early on I think I was with you, but I was still very cynical. Yeah. So this is good. This I I mean we could still be really wrong. It could be come out be amazing. I've been wrong many times about some about things for sure. Like Guardians of the Galaxy. I think we all miscalled that on how big of a success that film is going to be. I I just hope that if the movie's poor, that it does very poorly in the theaters, and Lionsgate and Saban looks at that and understands why it did badly. Well. If but, Illumination has taught me anything with films like Sing and The Secret Life of Pets, uh, no studio gets punished for anything. <laughs> like, Secret Life of Pets and, and Sing, I, oh man, the amount of mar- marketing they do for those films is disgusting. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's so inv- invasive and just all over the place, you can't escape it. But the films do well, so they don't even get, pu- they don't get punished Mm-hmm. Like, the, like these they, these films that are mediocre that they put they sink millions and I guess uh, like the company has a partnership with AMC because AMC theaters every single movie no matter what it is gets a trailer for one of these films like for Sing for the past several months mm-hmm. and then at the theater itself there's posters everywhere then on the on the frames for the posters there are little like like uh, pieces hanging off of them that also advertise Sing so you have a poster for Sing with a thing hanging off the the frame for the poster also advertising Sing right. And I can't even escape it. Like, Goodrich started playing a little thing before the movies that is also advertising Sing. Gotta see it's, Sing. It's like, no, I want your films to bomb, because this, this, this is too much. You're spending half the budget on advertising alone, yet you, you're making tons of money, so it doesn't matter. Right. The, your hubris needs curbed. I will break you and make you humble. Has <laughs> the Iron Sheik. Right, we need some Iron Sheik in there. He'll take care of him. Oh my god, can we get the Iron Sheik in... From the Camel Clutch. And then he'll have an erection during the whole time. <laughs> and then when you point it out years later, he will just laugh and laugh and laugh. 
So, yeah. I mean, we're letting our, our opinions of Mighty Morphin be dictated by one short trailer and some toys. A lot of designs. Like, a lot. And, like, between the designs and the trailer, I think we have a pretty good idea what the fuck this movie is. I hope I'm wrong. Maybe trailer two would be like, whoa, it's Morphin time! And there'd be explosions and flips and shit. Oh, that's what we forgot. We've, we never talked about Alpha 5. Oh, that's right. That horrifying um, batteries not included in monstrosity. I think we did. Maybe we didn't. I don't remember. But yeah, we also have that to lump into all these terrible designs. I think we did talk about that. Not think about it. But... Maybe. God, it's so hard to keep track of the terrible news. Yeah. But as I was telling Steve, it's like, but then you look at the new Voltron series that's running on Netflix right now. The toys look amazing. Everyone who's watched the show has said nothing but positive things about it. Yeah, and it's great. And it's a great reboot. I mean, I know it's not necessarily a movie, which, again, there's more talk about a movie, but Voltron is similar to the Masters of the Universe, where it's been, like, ten years of people, of studios saying they're making a movie for it. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those you really just gotta keep a grain of salt with and just wait mm-hmm. and find out. Uh, last bit of news, not a whole lot going on, but we did get a trailer for Blade Runner 2049, which Wait. is funny because I was not expecting a trailer for this to drop before a trailer for Alien Covenant. Mm-hmm. So this is the film that's starring Ryan Gosling and um, Harrison Ford. It's a sequel to Blade Runner. Uh, this one's not directed by Ridley Scott. Uh, but good. what was good about the trailer, even though it's short and doesn't tell a whole lot, um, we know the general plot is that Ryan Gosling is hunting down... Um, decker from blade runner and all this sort of stuff so i assume they're going off the idea that decker is a replicant mm-hmm. and stuff but it'll be interesting because i thought if i remember correctly so i watched blade runner but replicants had a certain lifespan so i'm sure a lot of stuff will get answered but the coolest stuff about the trailer is that a lot of people were concerned a about like kind of the direction of the film and like product like uh, production elements and like the general look of the film it's mm-hmm. not like the soundtrack but the trailer was really good because it confirmed everyone like, no, this is going to remain very in line with like a lot of the set design and style of the first film, along with similar uh, soundtrack stuff. So it's not like we're getting something that's, whoa, futuristic. Like we're still, it seems like we're still nestled greatly in that nice cyberpunk uh, um, dystopian kind of stylings of, of the first film. It's not film. like Prometheus. No. <laughs> no, it's not like Prometheus. Which Alien Covenant is even... Starting to Steve showed me this picture of the lead woman from Alien Covenant, just looking like Ripley, straight up a Ripley cosplay. Like they are really pushing this whole aliens thing, like distance themselves from Prometheus as much as possible and make it alien, alien, alien. And also, and also cheapening the character of Ripley, in my opinion. When you keep on introducing all of these, like, oh, this is our Ripley. Like, no, Ripley was her own thing, and it was fucking awesome that she was like one of the first humans to deal with this monstrosity and fight it so many times and survive. Yeah, totally. And I've been very vocal about my displeasure with Prometheus, but mm. I'll give credit at least to the fact that it was trying to be something different. Like yeah. It was clear that he didn't want this. To, I know Ridley Scott said this a lot, how he didn't want this to be a prequel to Alien, and I, I feel like the Xenomorph at the end was more of a studio interference than anything. Well, I, well, the original script was so much better, and that was a super alien prequel. Uh-huh. And then the studio brought in that fucking lost guy who made everything ambiguous for no fucking reason. Yeah, and it doesn't help that, like, my biggest complaint was all these stupid things, but then you watch, like, all the deleted scenes, and that makes the fi- fixes a lot of problem with the film, but then Ridley Scott said he cut him because of pacing, to which I respect, but at the same time, you made a film that makes zero fucking sense and really pissed me off. <laughs> right. Because you cut all that stuff. I should not have but, these many questions about what it was, like, by your own words, a self-contained film with a sequel plan, but its own thing. Yeah, and it's sad that I'm I'm excited for a Ridley Scott film to come out just so we can get it out of the way so we can get Neil Blomkamp's sequel to Aliens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, seriously. 
that's what we're waiting on. We're waiting this stupid fucking movie to come out so we can get the, the sequel that we actually want with Sean Bean and all this other stuff. We want that. I want it so bad. <laughs> Just because I like Sean Bean, I want to see him on the screen. Yeah. Doing stuff. You know? I'm sorry. Uh, I meant to say Michael Bean. Michael Bean. It's, sorry. Whatever. I know his Sean last Bean. name is Bean, so I was forgetting that, his first Mike, name. Yeah. The two Beans, they both die and stuff. Michael Bean, I did, I, before people start correcting me, I, I did catch myself and realized I was saying it wrong. <laughs> but i think that's all we have for news right now our news is very very sad lately not a lot of the great things to look forward to at the current state mm-hmm. except uh transformers last night yeah oh and we did get the trailer for um the fate of the fate of the furious that's right fate of the furious which is a great title yeah i got that last week i think we talked about that i can't i can't keep track we time did, is so strange we definitely talk about transformers i'm willing to bet we talked about fate of the furious well if we didn't here's two seconds jason statham fighting alongside the rock yes boom baby Woo! movie of the year 2017 already on our list already on our list spoiler alert guys 2017 wrap year end review wrap up it's on there check it out check it out a year from now Mm mm-hmm but we're talking about here and now we're talking about 2016 the year that was the greatest year as always, we always got to start off with the worst of the year before we get into the meat juicy goodness that is the stuff we loved. Steve, what was the worst film you saw this year in 2016? Uh, well, there's a few films that I didn't see. There's a few films that I thought about putting on to make a statement. Um, but they either I simply didn't see the films, or they I believe that they probably could have been on my list. Ghostbusters. Yeah. Um, and there's stuff that uh, I feel like I could have put here to make a statement to our 20 listeners. So really stick no, we, have, it to... we have a little, a little more than that. Um, whatever. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, overall, I still think that they were okay films. And I am i don't believe in putting okay films. I believe in putting stuff that really f- dropped the fucking ball. So for me, and this, again, for any new listeners, if this is your first year in review of Movie Films with Bill and Steve, we, when we're talking about our best of, when we're talking about our worst, we're talking about major studio films. Yeah. Not indies, not super indies, not micro-budget, you know, not Asylum, not straight-to-DVD Christian films, but major studio films, or at least uh, major-budgeted films, maybe not necessarily made by studio, but something that was picked up by studios for distribution, what have you. Yeah, exactly. It's and it, it also it's movies we saw. Like it wasn't necessarily us ragging on something. It's also just something we saw. And when we say it's worse, it doesn't mean like it's a piece of shit, terrible film. Not necessarily. After all, it could be something. But just out of everything we saw this year, this ha- just happened to be the worst film we saw. Like one year is Winter Soldier. Would I compare Winter Soldier to shit like I don't know what came out there, any Medea movie or something? No, not obviously not. But I saw Winter Soldier, and it was the worst film I saw that year. Exactly. So, Steve, uh, your worst of the year. Cabin Fever, 2016. Oh, the, the remake of Cabin Fever. Yes. Uh, did you see it, Bill? No, I did not see it because I knew what it was and I had no interest in seeing it. Okay, well, I saw it because I like the original Cabin Fever. I like it a lot. It's not amazing, but I like it a lot. Yeah. Okay, so let me... You've seen the original Cabin Fever, though, right? Yeah. I, mean, I saw it once, like, around the time it came out. That's so. fine. You, but you saw it once, you understand what it was. Yes. Um, yes. Okay, let me let me pitch to you the Cabin Fever remake. All right. Okay. All right, Bill. Okay, so hi. I'm My name's Eli Roth. Hey um, there, Roth. Uh, hi. Um, so I have the script, Cabin Fever. Um, so I totally already made it, like, six, 15 years ago. Uh-huh. But what if, and just stick with me here, what if 
I get a um, far less talented director. Okay. What if we use literally the exact same script, and I'm not exaggerating, uh, but yeah, since but since I'm not directing it, there's no camp, there's no tongue-in-cheek, it's just, it takes the same straightforward, cheeky script without any of the winks at the camera, humor, or fun. So it just tries to take itself super seriously and fails on every single level. Can we do that? Yeah. Great, let's do it. Uh, just to give you a small correction, because I do know how this film was made. It wasn't Eli Roth going to people to have it made. People came to Eli Roth asking if they could do it. Oh, okay. And he was like, uh, sure. Okay, so reverse that. Yeah. So <laughs> just, just let people know. Like, this isn't necessarily Eli okay, Roth's Okay, so Bill fault. was Eli Roth. And... He just okayed it. <laughs> and he just okayed it for the money. Yeah. I mean, that's how he that's how he described it, the whole situation on, on, I think it was on Doug Benson's um, Douglas movies. And you think he, that's when he brought this up. Um, but that was how this kind of worked around. But yeah. Yeah, I don't I know can... how you'd lose what Cabin Fever was so badly. Like, even worse than the shitty sequels. But that's what this fucking movie was. Like, they, it's as if they took the script but didn't see the movie. And just said, let's do this, but, but fucking gritty. Like, they made a gritty reboot of Cabin Fever. Yeah, which is funny because a lot of reasons why people don't like Cabin Fever is the script. So you're already kind of starting downhill... By take, you're not, you didn't even change the script. You didn't try to improve the script. Because, re, again, the reason why most people don't like Cabin Fever is the script. Right. Is that's the problem with the film. Like, everyone's just unlikable shitbags. Yeah. So everyone's an unlikable shitbag, except now you can't even laugh at them. Pancake Was Pancake still in the movie? Mm, I don't remember Pancakes now. Oh, shit. They didn't have the kid yelling, Pancakes! And, and they do martial like, arts. Sweet, sweet karate after all moves. <laughs> or, or, like, the weirdly racist, like, shopkeeper. I believe he was still weirdly racist, but again, it wasn't played for laughs. It wasn't racist necessarily in the first film either. Some people call him racist, but then like black people come in, he, he's super cool with them and yeah. loves them. Like, obviously, like is down with them, <laughs> like in the film's universe, and everyone always says it's racist. I'm like, what's racist about that? All right. I mean, maybe I'm confused. I don't know. I mean, Cabin Fever isn't a great film to begin with. Again, the script is pretty bad. Ooh, faced. So. Again, like you just said, taking the exact same script and taking out the parts that people did like, I don't know who thought this was a good idea. I don't know who thought this was a good idea. But apparently all the people that gave this movie money thought it was a good idea. Worst thing I've fucking seen in the year. Absolutely. Like, yeah. holy shit. I, I was just sitting in pure flabbergastness, it's not a word, at the fucking movie. Just like, my mouth gaping open like, how did this happen? <laughs> <laughs> well, somebody got money and backing, and Eli Roth is like, okay. I, and, I, and I don't blame Eli Roth given that situation, you know? Now that mm -hmm. you've described it, I don't blame the fuck. Yeah, give me money. I don't care. I already made my movie. I already made my cabin fever. So if you're giving me money to make yours and I'm still maintaining the rights, fuck it. Fucking someone came up to me and was like, hey, I'm going to give you $100,000 so that we can make our carousel. I'll be like, okay. <laughs> go, yeah. go for it. Good not, it's not going to be as good as mine. Mine's fucking on three top 2016 lists this year. Yeah. I guarantee you that a carousel made in 2017 or 2018 would not be on a 2016 top list. I guarantee it. <laughs> Guaranteed. I, I think that's a pretty safe assumption to make. All right, so that's my worst. Bill, what's the worst movie you've seen all year? Uh, nothing as, like I guess, critically and objectively terrible as the Cabin Fever remake. But for me, the worst film I saw this year was Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Okay. And why uh, is that? 
pacing. Pacing kill. Pa- I I tell us I talk about this all the time. We we both talk about this. Pacing. If, th- if your film has bad pacing, oh god, it, I can't stand it. And obviously, opinions. It, the film's subjective at the end of the day, anyway. So like a lot of people didn't mind the pacing in this film and said it was fine. Uh, for me though, I was sitting in the theater just like just. I was trying to be polite and not audibly groan because mm-hmm. there's, there's scenes that are going on and I, they don't, they don't, what, what, what is this doing? What purpose does this scene have in the film? Mm-hmm. Or rather if it, and I've some scenes, yeah, I can understand the, the general purpose of the big grander scheme of things, but why, a, why is it so long? Why, why don't, why, I mean, afterwards I, I found out cause I didn't realize it's going in that JK Rowling wrote the screenplay for the film. Afterwards, it made complete sense because this <laughs> film was paced like a book, right? Not like a film, and it was it read like it, it read, but it, the film flowed as if it needed a second pass. Mm-hmm. Needed someone else, maybe an. I mean, maybe it did, and this is what we got. I don't know exactly, but like I liked the world, I liked the characters. I thought you know there's some there's fun stuff in the film, but just the pacing, the film just felt excruciatingly long. I mean, it's only two. Uh, it was only two hours and thirteen minutes, and it just felt like it was forever. It just felt like it was lasting forever, mm-hmm. and that that just kills it for me. And again, that 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 that's what makes it the worst film I saw this year. It's because of those reasons. That's fair. Like, there's tons of things I like, but man, if you get the pacing that that wrong for me, I just oh, I just could not wait for that movie to end as faster than possible. Like, come on, let's go. Yes, there's there's a cool beast in the park. Yep, let's get okay. It's cool. Okay, cool. Now there's this weird thing destroying everything. Cool. Okay, come on, let's uh let's wrap it up here. Let's wrap. Oh, it you're up. gonna make five more of these. Great, thanks. Great, okay. can't wait. Can't wait. Let's cool. J.K. writing those two. Okay, cool. Great, fine. Thanks. <laughs> this is gonna be Why fantastic. Make the, one, make the next one three hours. Right, at, please. Thank you. Thank you, and have a nice day. <laughs> let's make it six hour double feature. Let's get on this. Yeah. So that that's my worst of the year. And I don't have much else to say besides that. Okay. I have not seen it because I don't give a fuck about Harry Potter. I, I and that's not that I dislike Harry Potter. I just don't like fantasy that much. I like the Harry Potter years fine. I just stopped watching the movies at a certain point. And mm-hmm. obviously when I was growing up, I started reading the books at a certain point. I know the majority of people kept reading them. I just kind of like went, nah, this ain't for me anymore. Mm-hmm. And... But I still like kind of like the general idea of the universe. So making a film set in the twenties, and I cool. That's a great period. It's a period I love film set in. Let's do all these cool things, new characters, not a set around Harry Potter. Neat. I'm down for this. And like I was, I was all in for the film. Like I said, I still like the character, I like the setting, I like the general story of the film. But the just setting the, seemed coolest to me. The pacing of everything is just what makes it a mess. Well, that and stinks. It, just a total disaster for me. Or rather, it makes takes a film that I could say was good or great and makes it, like, incredibly mediocre. Like, mm-hmm. I will never watch that film again. Right. So, that's that. So, uh, I don't believe Steve had an honorable mention for this year leading into our top five. But I have one. I have one that I don't feel like a lot of people went and saw. And that was Hail Caesar. Okay. This was uh, by the Coen brothers. Came out early of 2016, like around February. And I really didn't think a lot of people talked about it. I didn't feel like a lot of people saw it. I felt it felt like one of the films that suffered uh, the wrath of the Force Awakens because mm-hmm. a ton of films did not get released around Oscar season in November, December because everyone was afraid of the the cinematic juggernaut that was Force Awakens. Right. And I feel like this is one of those films. Like this film, 
either A, should have been released later in 2016 to be get more recognition around the time when films like this come out, mm-hmm. or it should have just been like, no, we're just going to release it in 2015, so that way it got some more, would have gotten some more attention. Yeah, we have a different fucking audience anyway. Exactly. It's a comedy film. It's set in the, you know, uh, the third, no, shit, the 50s, more in the 50s. Oh, okay. Around like that that golden age of Hollywood type, silver silver age, I guess, around there. Hollywood Studio uh, stars um, Josh Brolin as a, like, kind of studio exec who has to in charge of making you know, making sure all the films come together and all this type of stuff and it's kind of a kind of an anthology film there's lots of little vignettes happening out all throughout but there's like one main line story throughout the film is that their like lead uh actor main actor george for the Clooney, studio right? played by george Clooney, yeah yeah is abducted and it's kind of it's basically josh brolin trying to fix that while solving these other like studio things but I, i'm a sucker for films about making films <coughs> So I like that. I like the era. It had huge cast. It was a lot of fun. It was and it was it was a great great little film. I know a lot of people kind of dogged on it because it wasn't like hilarious like Big Lebowski, but also wasn't like some cinematic masterpiece. Big thing like like No Country for Old Men or a lot of the other Coen Brothers films. But for me, it was one of my favorites just because again, I I like all the actors in it. I thought it was fun. It was funny. It set a great time period that I like films about. I saw the trailer and it looked exactly like the kind of movie that I would enjoy. Yeah, I mean it's a Coen Brothers film still at the end of the day, but I know it's I don't know for a lot of people if a Coen Brothers film is good, that means it's not worth saying. Like it feels like a lot of people, Coen Brothers has to be like some great thing for someone to care about it. Mm-hmm. That was just my general idea of how people kind of interpreted the film, but for me, I, I really enjoyed it, and so it was something that was really good, but not something that really didn't quite make the mark into my top like my top of the year list but also something i feel like a lot of people kind of overlooked overlooked yeah so i would definitely recommend checking it out obviously it's available on home video and stuff by now so go check that film out so let's get into our top five lists for the 2016 the year that was the the the, the colossal failure that was filmed this year yeah that was a weird fucking year so many films bombing left and right. Like I was looking at the the top uh, domestic list for 2016 on Box Office Mojo, and you're looking at some stuff like uh, Star Trek Beyond, obviously Ghostbusters, and you look at these budgets. The budget for Star Trek Beyond was 185, only made 158 domestically. Yeah, Jesus. Its total worldwide was only 343 million. <sighs> Ghostbusters, 144 million dollars domestic, 128 worldwide, 229. That's combined four and four and is a hundred, but mm-hmm. but even uh, and their big budget films, was like over a hundred million or something. Oh yeah, Ghostbusters one hundred forty four million dollar budget did not even break their budget domestically. Good job, guys. Which we talked about, but even bigger films like I was talking about uh, to Rachel. I just looked up the stuff for Fantastic Beasts, this Harry Potter film, one hundred eighty million dollar budget, only made two hundred and nine million domestically. Mm-hmm. Granted, it made five hundred million foreign. But still, like that, that's a huge amount to miss the mark domestically on a film. I agree. I agree completely. Because when even it's like you think a Harry Potter film, you think something that's, like a, that film itself should easily get to the nine hundred billion dollar mark for worldwide. Mm-hmm. But it, it didn't make it. <laughs> it's funny when you look at like the, the number one grossing film domestically this year was Finding Dory. Made four hundred eighty six million domestic. Yeah. Now. Granted, um, some stuff like Moana just has just come out, but even, even then, Moana's dropped hard. Moana basically made 168 million at this point, and probably won't make that much more because there's other films coming out that, f- that are more family oriented, like like Sing. Rogue One is still a, a, you know a, a family film that they can look at and such. So right. So uh, so moving on from looking at overall 
Steve, what is your number five? Uh, my number five is a weird one, uh, which uh, probably nobody would have really expected. Um, although, if you know my list of like favorite directors, you would have. Uh, it is Stephen Chow's The Mermaid. Oh wow! Um, it is a. It's not. There's nothing fancy with it. It's not mind blowing. It's not groundbreaking. Um, but it's a really fun family film about a uh, playboy billionaire falling in love with a mermaid sent to murder him. <laughs> Which is a great plot idea. Uh, yeah. it's, it's just, it's sweet, it's heartwarming, there's a lot of fantastic visual gags, it's Stephen Chow's signature and Stephen Chow's humor is all over this film. But it's not a full-blown comedy. Okay. But it does, in my opinion, it does a lot right, it has an interesting plot, uh, the story goes in ways that you wouldn't expect, especially for like a lighter family film. Um, the, basically the idea is that this, uh, playboy, uh, buys this fucking, this part of the ocean that's like a sanctuary for, uh, marine wildlife, and he turns on the sonar machine that apparently accidentally kills everything, including a bunch of murder people. Oh my. So she is sent to kill him to stop it, and every time she tries murdering him, she fails adorably. <laughs> um, so instead she tries teaching him how money doesn't matter, and like, over time they fall in love, he falls in love, he realizes that he fucked up. He turns off the machine, everything seems okay, but he accidentally tells his business partner about the mer people, so then they get invaded and everyone dies. And <laughs> and he's barely able to save, like, the main character mermaid and sends her off, and, like, the ending of the film is years later, and he uh, has been, like, putting his fortune into giving out a bunch of scholarships to kids to get into environmental project protection and stuff like that. Oh my. And it's a, I think I like the story a lot, and like I said, Stephen Chow is by far one of my favorite directors of all time. I think that the way he does stuff visually, the way he's able to ground stuff and have a lot of heart in his films, even when things are being silly and wacky as shit. Um, all of that is here, and it really worked for me, more than I expected, even as a fan of Stephen Chow. So that's it. That's why the movie places at fifth place for me. I think it's definitely worth a watch. It's worth a rent. Check it out sometime. Uh, but keep in mind, it is a family fantasy film. You know, it's not like a Stephen Chow martial arts film. It's it's even more family friendly than say Shaolin Soccer was. But for me, the story was there. It was still, uh, in my opinion, pretty good storytelling with a nice sense of humor and a lot of heart. And China clearly loved it because that movie is huge in China. Huge in China. Isn't it still, like, the number one movie of all time in China? Yeah. <laughs> like, it had a budget of $60 million, and its box office, I think, in just China was, like, $500 million. Hell yeah. <laughs> Woo! So, get that money. Get way that better green. than Ghostbusters. <laughs> Who did not get a release in China. Nope. So, yeah. Whoops! Yeah, I, think it's a, I think it's available digital on Amazon. You know, keeping in mind what the general theme of it is, you know, watch a trailer if it seems like something you wouldn't hate, I would give it a shot, in my opinion. Awesome. I'll, I'll keep it in mind. I I keep I kind of forgot that it was a Stephen Chow film, but I so it's easy to forget. Mind. Like when you watch the tra like, there's like two different kinds of trailers, and one focuses on the mermaid fantasy of it, and the other one is much more Stephen Chowy, where a yeah. guy is trying to describe to this police sketch artist uh, what a half human, half mermaid is, and the first sketch the police guy, the police sketch artist comes up with is the top half is a fish, and the bottom half is like two legs and a penis. <laughs> And I lose my shit. It's a great sequence, because there's, like, nine completely wrong mermaid drawings. As if you don't know what a mermaid looks like. Right! It's great! But it's stu It's stupid, but it makes me laugh. It works. Whatever. Cool. <laughs> I'll definitely uh, keep that in mind. And hopefully a lot of other people who did not check the film out will keep it in mind. Absolutely. Awesome. Uh, so, moving on to my number five. Number five. 
fifth favorite film of 2016 is Warcraft, directed by Duncan Jones. Goes right on there, fifth place. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Warcraft universe. I've been playing World of Warcraft for ten years now. Mm-hmm. Got my lovely second wife, Meryl Cloud. She's a warrior. She kicks ass. She's done it all. Been there, done that. It's been a constant thing in my life for the past ten years. So I'm a huge fan of the world of Warcraft, no pun intended there, mm-hmm. and the lore and everything involved with the characters, every, everything Blizzard does with it. I'm a huge fan of it. So as we talk about Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and Gem and even Dragon Ball Evolution, we talk about these films and things that clearly have no interest in attracting the hardcore audience. Mm-hmm. Warcraft's biggest problem was they had no interest in attracting general audiences. Because <laughs> they made a film... The film is by Warcraft fans for Warcraft fans. Right. Now, admittedly, I knew a lot of people who did, who haven't done anything involving Warcraft, and they thought the movie was fine. It really is just a matter of how much you can handle high fantasy movies. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're used to the genre, and you can handle just stuff happening, and there being these characters here, these characters here, this magic happening here. If you can handle that stuff, you'll probably be fine with Warcraft. But if you're a fan of Warcraft, and you know the story about the orcs' invasion of Azeroth, and the... Betrayal of Bedeev and who Duratan was and who Ogrim Doomhammer was and who Gul'dan was and all these people. If you know who these people are, this movie's for you. There's some obviously some uh, liberties taken because you you can't really do a direct, at least for one film. I don't think it'd be would have been that easy to do a direct translation of what happens in the games game right, lore right. for this film. But I think that what what they delivered on was fantastic i loved the film they're obviously uh if you go back to around the time it came out we uh did a uh, re- episode review for it you can go back and listen to that and get my thoughts then still stand true now i still super love the film uh the cg work on the orcs was fantastic oh, cool. looked amazing uh the magic effects were really well translated uh guldan was incredible guldan is kind of a big figure in the warcraft universe and even now in the current world of warcraft storyline uh, Gul'dan has been pretty heavy and stuff, so it was really cool when the film came out to be like, oh yeah, here's Gul'dan. He's a big deal in like years earlier in the story, big deal now through time travel and parallel worlds type stuff and all these things. So I don't have much else to say about the film. Like Again, I think it's one of the cases, if you were a fan of the universe, you probably saw the film, and if you weren't, you probably didn't. Because I think a lot of people were like treating it like, this is this generation's Battlefield Earth. It's like, no, Battlefield Earth was a bad movie. Right. This is a well-made, really well-made film that is just targeted towards hardcore fans, mm-hmm. which is which which is great because I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's like people want to say it's terrible because it because it isn't accessible to general audiences. I'm like, well, not everything has to be access- accessible to general audiences. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of respect and love for Duncan Jones and Legendary and everyone involved with it for like, you know, what, we're gonna make this film. This we're gonna make the we're gonna do right by the fans. That is our goal, and that's what we're going to do. We're not going to try to make, you know, um, um, secessions to just appease, like, Grandma. Mm -hmm. You know? And I I like that a lot. So, that's why it drops down on number five on my list. That's fair. I assume you didn't see it. I did not see it. Again, not a big fantasy fan. Um, I respect respect the lore, uh, but I'm not a big fantasy fan, so I did not go out of my way to see it. That's totally fair. It's really fair, yeah. If you're not into high fantasy, this is, again, not a film for you. (laughs) So, uh, on to Steve's uh, number four. Number four. Again, a bit of a weird choice, I feel, um, but one that I absolutely strongly stand by because I make my list based on personal enjoyment. 
So number four is Keanu. No, there's nothing wrong with that. I love this movie in a, especially in a in a year where there's not much in the ter- in terms of good comedy. Mm-hmm. Ghostbusters. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, this movie was amazing. It was I. It was hilarious. There was heart. The little amount of action the movie does have is actually really fucking good for a comedy film. Mm-hmm. Uh, the gags are great. The setups are great. The pacing is great. Everything makes sense. And, and like a comedy movie that makes me unable to breathe because I'm laughing so much is a good comedy movie. And this movie did it to me twice. <laughs> um, I love Keanu, and of course, it's got a fucking adorable kitten on the, in the fucking movie on the main poster. Yeah. Everywhere. The kitten's so fucking cute. I can't handle how cute this fucking kitten is, guys. A lot of people want to get that kitten. I mean, it's everyone wants that kitten. It's so fucking cute. Little do rag. Oh my god, I lost my mind. <laughs> I lost my mind. Um, kitten calendar jokes. It's fucking awesome. I love Keanu. I cannot say enough good things about Keanu. If you did not see Keanu, if you at all, in any sense of the word, in the in the idea of the concept of being a fan of Key and Peele. You are doing yourself a major disservice by not seeing Keanu. And if you yeah. don't know who Keanu Peel is, you are doing yourself a major disservice by not seeing Keanu. Fucking Keanu is amazing. It's hilarious. It's well made. It is by far the best k- straightforward comedy of the year, in my opinion. In your opinion. Yeah. Straight up. So, yeah. Cool. Keanu number I four. I saw Keanu. Easy. I saw Keanu. It is, and then, obviously, well. I'll spoil it. Didn't make the rest of my top five. That's fine. But it is obviously it definitely is in my top ten for the year. Mm-hmm. It was it was definitely a ton of fun. I was not. I was expecting to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I did not expect it to like it as much as I did. Keanu was great because I never saw a trailer for it. No, that's, I only saw the very 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 first one, and then I mm-hmm. avoided everything else. <laughs> yeah, I went into Keanu like completely blind. I knew. No, all I saw was the poster for it. I'm like. Oh, it's a Kane Peel and it was a cat. Okay, I'm seeing it. <laughs> I, I don't, it's a Kane Peel movie. I don't have to have any. I don't need any it. other like, reason. I never watched much of their show, but obviously you you see the bits and stuff online. Like I know enough of their work to like them and right. like their style of comedy and everything. To where it's like, oh, they're making a film. Sure, I'll see it. Yeah, I'll see I don't it. need. I don't need much else like goading to see this film. So I went saw it. It's fucking fantastic. I still love the um, like in the interviews and stuff. Uh, they consistently talk like during the pre-production and the script writing phase. Like, how the fuck are we gonna get? Like, we have fans. We were on Comedy Central. Like, we are known. Like, they made no, <laughs> they made no mistake about that. They were not over humbling themselves. They know how well off they are. But they were always saying like, how the fuck are we gonna get general audiences to see a Key and Peel movie? Let's put a cat on the poster. And that's yeah, where the yeah. entire idea came from, which is fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah. People like cats. This guy loves his cat, so... Loves his there cat. There we go. <laughs> Printing money. The internet loves cats. Loves cats. Awesome. And you're number four. My number four. Uh, now, this might seem odd that it's so low on my list, because this is one of those films that will probably get a lot of attention at the Academy Awards and such, and it's one of those like critic- critically acclaimed films. Uh, number four for me was Arrival. Okay. Arrival is one uh, that I really want to see, but I haven't yet. And I have a feeling, based on everything that you have told me, personally, that if I saw it, it would probably be number five on my list. Yeah. This is I don't think we said this. This goes without saying, obviously there's a lot of films we didn't see this year. Yeah. Like, I still never got, I never got into seeing uh, Hell or High Water or Neon Demon, which are two films I wanted to get, see. I just didn't make time. Like I said, I saw Rogue One three times, but I couldn't make time to see these two movies. I, but, I was making a movie. Sorry, fuckers. 
Sorry, fuckers. So there's obviously some films you missed, and obviously this case would arrive. I'll try to keep it uh, simple. I'm not going to spoil a lot because I know a lot of people still haven't seen the film. Uh, this is one of those cases I saw the film having to see, I think I saw the one trailer for a really long time ago, and I really just went and saw it because a lot of people were saying it was good. So I'm like, okay, I like hard science fiction films. Let's go see this. And the film is fantastic. Uh, again, hard science fiction, we don't get a lot of those anymore. We get a lot of science fiction films like Aliens, uh, sorry, um, Independence Day Resurgence. I almost said Aliens, but <laughs> Aliens is a great action, action film. But it's also not a hard sci-fi film. Right. But... A hard sci-fi, sci-fi film that isn't about big blow-up explosions and big, huge climaxes. It's about uh, just uh, talking, trying to figure things out, trying to have peace, optimism. You you love films of optimism. I do. Arrival is a stock full of it. It's also stock full of feels. There's a lot of stuff that happens in it that you're just like, whoa. And Amy Adams, man, delivering always delivering amazing performances. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if this is another year she walks away with some with some uh, some statues and such from from the award season stuff because twenty sixteen was kind of a piss poor year for uh, good critically acclaimed films mm-hmm. so I guess a lot are coming out now but even then even the, like even then it's really mixed on what is great and what's not or you got Oscar bait try try hard films like Collateral Beauty which are borderline offensive mm-hmm. and how terrible they are. Uh, but I, yeah, without saying too much, yeah, I mean, just just making a good hard science fiction film can do a lot for me nowadays because we don't get them. Yeah, we don't. We don't get films where people where people that are just like experts in their field are just like going over alien messages and trying to figure things out. And like the crux of your film, the crux of like tension is what's this mean? And they're like like computers and on white like whiteboards writing out stuff and just trying to figure that stuff out. And I've, you know, I love that type of stuff. This film is. Uh, takes its time it's it, it sets it oh, sets tone and mood beautifully it's incredibly well directed mm-hmm. gorgeous looking film uh and that's that's why it drops down to where it is on my list number four right well i so i really want to see arrival i can't wait to see it i just haven't gotten a chance to yet and you know what's funny is it's still it's still sitting at theaters it's been out for quite a, quite a few number of weeks now it's still you know Still, I, I was I went and saw stuff the other day. People like a good like group of like fifteen twenty people and like a group of family or whatever is coming in to go see Arrival. Mm-hmm. So it's you know it's still making the rounds. I mean, you probably won't have to. If, it, I do recommend seeing it in theaters. It was really a gorgeous looking film. So if you can make it out to it, I definitely uh, recommend anybody maybe on the holiday weekend or someone's doing some such uh, go out and see it. I'll try to. Yeah, definitely. So uh, so Steve, you're number three. My number three. Uh, this one is probably expected for folks. Uh, Deadpool. Um, I love the character, I was cautious about the film, and the film really blew me away. I thought it was a fantastic representation of the character. It actually, it wasn't the Daniel Way Deadpool, which is what I was afraid of. Yeah. I was afraid of it being the fucking Daniel Way Deadpool, the video game Deadpool, where literally nothing but the story and the character is stupid fucking jokes. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, Ryan Reynolds has stupid jokes, but it wasn't just stupid jokes. There's a lot of heart... Uh, heart seems to be the theme of my list this year. <laughs> um, there's a lot of heart to it, and it was ver- done very well. There's a lot of legitimate drama. There's a lot of horror, which I think is very important to a Deadpool story. Mm-hmm. A lot of tragedy, um, and a lot of awful things that Wade had to go through, which is why he has his sense of humor. Well, that and his own sanity. Yeah. Um, but it's a really fantastic superhero film, action film. It is the best X-Men film that Fox has ever made, and funny enough, it's because Fox had so little fucking to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and it, it just did pretty much everything right for me. You know, it came out very early in the year, and it made a bunch of money, and I think a big part of that was because the filmmakers were actually allowed to do what they wanted to do with it. It was creative. It, you know, I'm not going to say it was groundbreaking, but it definitely did things different. No, Steve, there's been no other rated R superhero movies. None. Le- None the whatsoever. first one ever. First ever. First ever. Um, but, yeah, great film. I loved it a lot. Definitely, uh, I said early on into the year that it might make my top five list, depending on what else came out, and it stayed there, which I think is a testament to, in my opinion, how good it was. Yeah, I mean, if you're a big fan of the character, which I know you are, it was a well-made film. You know, it's had the humor it had the you know serious elements which i think are which i think you said and i do agree are important to deadpool as a character on top of it, it also had this film that's was released on valentine's day marketed <laughs> as a film to take go on to on valentine's day which i thought that worked out really well really well because I, I don't think everybody wants to see garbage romantic comedies no so this gave a good counter programming to that and on top of that i think i mean and it had the best colossus now, in a movie Oh, God, yeah, it absolutely had the best Colossus in any X-Men film, which I appreciated super hard. Yes. And also, uh, Megasonic Teenage Warhead was fucking incredible as well. Yes. Super loved her. Uh, but another thing, I think a lot of audiences are super used to, like, the at this point, the Marvel Studios films, like, something that's super clean and, and sterile. Mm-hmm. So getting this, like, quote-unquote, you know, superhero film, even though it really wasn't that, but that's, a, that's the genre it's getting labeled with. Having that, but having it being, like, a raunchy, hard-R comedy... Mm-hmm. I think was something that people really wanted and it definitely spoke to them. And that's that, that's definitely why it made as much money as it did. Absolutely agreed. So definitely, definitely a film that's also in my top 10 for sure. But just, just not, not really the top five. Yeah, top. that's totally yeah, fine. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like I'm right there with you. It's super, super fun film. Like most comedies only ever hit eight times out of 10, even like the best ones, eight times out of 10. Mm-hmm. This, and Deadpool is right there with it. Like not everything knocked out of the park, but overall all the jokes worked. Yeah. So, Bill, third of the year. Third of the year, another film that I don't feel like enough people saw, and that was The Nice Guys, directed by Shane Black. Oh, Nice Guys was fantastic. Nice Guys, I loved Nice Guys. Now, most people are going to say, well, no shit, that that seems like a Bill film. It's not in the the 1970s, it's a buddy cop film, it involves the porn industry. Like Shane Black called you up and said, what do you want me to make? And he made a fucking great film. Definitely definitely a me film. I love, I'm a huge fan of Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling and all these type of things anymore, they do anymore. And it was just a great time. It was definitely a Shane Black film. Great, great time with the humor. I'm pretty sure there's some Christmas elements in it. I can't. It's been, I, I haven't had a chance to rewatch this one since it came there's out. There's some. Not enough for me to call it a Christmas film, though. Uh, there's, an, there's an awesome kid in the film. Yes, That's Ryan Gosling's daughter, who is hilarious, and I had a blast with her. And just, it just, and even then, like the buddy cop dynamics between Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling in the film were fantastic, mm-hmm. super enjoyable. Like the comedy was on point, the action scenes were on point. Which again, it's Shane Black; he's always really good with that stuff. And he's also his script. I mean, like everything was, you know, if you like Shane Black films, obviously you're gonna like this film. And on top of just the story, the you know, the kind of whodunit aspects of it, and them having to figure it all out, it's just. It's, I don't know, it's just a movie that's really just tailor-made for me and the stuff I like. So it just spoke to me a lot on that level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, one, it's one of those films where it's like, yeah, it's high on my list. But it's like, you can't say much more beyond like the big points about why it's awesome. Like All those things come together in this cool little cauldron. 
and Shane Black's there with a stick, stirring it all up, making a great film that no one's going to go see. Right. And that's the nice guys. And it is. Yeah. It was one of those cases where I went to the theater, and me and Rachel were the young, youngest people there by about 20 years. Mm-hmm. Which further cemented my point that the worst people at movies are not teenagers, but like 45, 50-year-old parents. Right. Who just talk. <laughs> it's like, hey... You can watch movies at home in your living room for free and talk all you want, but you're paying money to come to the theater and do it. Sure. Stop that right now. <laughs> Stop that. Stop it. So yeah, that's my number three, The Nice Guys. Nice. Cannot recommend it enough. My number two. Second best film of the year, Kubo and the Two Strings. Yeah, that was a really hard one for me to decide if it was going to make my top five or not. I think it's, uh, I mean, I wish Leica would make money because... Yeah, they're a great studio. They deserve it. Great studio. They keep on making great stuff. Even their worst films are great films. Yeah, I, I'm not looking forward to the Academy Awards again this year. Yeah, can't wait for Kubo to lose to whatever fucking Disney movie wins this year. Finding Dory. It's a Pixar film. It's gonna win. Fuck. It'll win over Kubo. Yet another year where Pixar. Oh wait, win. no, uh, Moana diversity. Moana might win. I don't know. It's just a Pixar film this year. They'll, they'll go for Finding Dory. Will win. Shit. I'm calling it now. I have no faith in, the, in, in Laika, or hell, even two years ago when Lego Movie didn't even get fucking nominated. Which was fucking horseshit. But Jesus Christ, Paranorman was up against Brave, and Paranorman lost. Which is bullshit, because Paranorman was one of the best movies of the fucking year. I will never get over that. I'm sorry to bring... I'm sorry to sidetrack <laughs> your discussion about Kubo, but goddamn, every, t- every time we talk about Studio Laika, it's just like, goddamn, they can't catch a fucking break, and they can't get the, like critical like award recognition they deserve yeah they don't make the money the Kubo, and it, they don't at least get the fucking awards uh but Kubo deserves both of those things uh, i saw it and it fucking blew me away it was beautiful it was amazing everything was visually fucking on point the character designs were phenomenal uh the action that the film has is really cool especially given that it's fucking stop motion yep um it's it was amazing it was fucking fantastic i it blew me away blew me away yeah. i can't sp- they built a like nine foot tall like stop motion thing to animate yeah and a boat that they're animating floating in the water and water and all this paper stuff oh my god i can't i cried a lot during that movie yeah i can't say enough good things about this movie yeah it made me cry too and movies rarely make me cry not in the sense that i'm heartless but just in the sense that oftentimes i don't spend enough time with the characters to get enough of an uh, emotional attachment like that to them Mm -hmm. and this movie did yeah, it's one of those films I'm sitting in the theater, just just sitting there, tears just coming down my cheek. I couldn't tell you why. Like, I, I was talking to Rachel after the film, I was like, what made you cry? I'm like, I don't know. I don't even know. It was multiple times, I'm just starting welling up, like, the end of the, everything at the end of the film, I'm just like, like, literally, like, tears are streaming down my face, and I was like, it's it's beautiful. It's beautiful. <laughs> like, the film, I don't know if it's because I was, like, at a loss for how gorgeous the film was animated, or on top of the story, <laughs> all this other stuff, and... God, the they defeat the main villain with love. Fuck yeah, they did. They trapped... Actually, it's the most dark ending to a film I think I saw this year. <laughs> yeah, it is. Where they defeat the villain by trapping him in a night... Like, basically, like, a nightmare of, of love and affection of something he detests. You just have to deal with this love for, for eternity. It was, it was like hell for Frieza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in a way. But that it's like, when you think about it, it's like a really dark ending to a film. It is. So. But it was fucking phenomenal, and I fuck you, America, for not making it make more money. It, I can't believe you. Shame on you. I'm fine with I'm fine with Donald Trump. I'm not fine with Kubo not making more money. 
<laughs> America 2016. Find out Donald Trump. Not with Kubo on the two strings. Not with Kubo underperforming. <laughs> Instead, I had to deal with both. Thanks, guys. You're welcome. God damn it. But yeah, great film. If you haven't seen it, way to fuck up. You're, hey. you're on my list. Check it out now. Help help support the back end with the you know home video market. Yeah, home video. Leica usually makes it up on home video at least, otherwise it wouldn't keep getting fucking funding like it does. Yeah, and plus overseas, I'm sure they do find it. It's again a lot of studios, a lot of places make those movies that are supposed to be more award winners. They don't really care necessarily about the money. Mm-hmm. It's always a strange. I, I sometimes when it comes to movie making, I'm I'm curious about like why people sink millions of dollars into something. Yeah. But that's a discussion for another day. Yeah, whatever. But yeah, Kubo number two. Bill? My number two, Hardcore Henry. Which I have not seen, but I think I would love. Hardcore Henry is another film, like all, most of our films, so now a good amount of our films that we talk about doesn't make any money. <laughs> <laughs> I love this film. And for the better part of the year, I thought for sure it was going to be number one on my list. Uh, kind of got It's very close, number one. Like, it's number one... It didn't make number one for a couple things, but it was almost there purely on filmmaking alone. Because mm-hmm. uh, obviously, for those who know, this film is shot in the first person. It's kind of been given the joke thing of like a video game movie because it's a first person view for the entire film. And because it's first person, they obviously had to do. They did a ton of stunt work. They did a ton of like trying to make shots as long as possible. And if you know anything about filmmaking, you know that every when you watch this film you're looking at going, that was probably very difficult to do. Mm-hmm. In which case they would say, yeah, it was very difficult to do. Right. Like they're blo- they're having, they're doing a lot of practical stuff, blowing up cars, doing this, that there are obviously some CG bits in here and there, and there but I'm not going to gripe about that because most of it is all practical and most of it is all one shot with not a lot of enhancing. And I also love Charlotte Copley and he, uh, he was kind of the main backer of this film and he's in it. He's kind of like the main character that isn't the main character. Because the main character is Henry. But you, know, you, see, you don't see his face. You're just kind of, you're, the audience is Henry through the film. So, Charlotte Copley is kind of the, the main uh, character of the film. Mm-hmm. And he's fantastic. I'm a huge fan of him and everything he's he pops up in. Whether it be Neil Blomkamp's film or he was in the A-Team movie. All that type of stuff. He is just a complete treat in this film. And on top of the fact, this film is in, kind of, in a lot of ways kind of the successor kind of kind of a crank three mm-hmm. like i don't I, at this point i really don't think we're ever going to get a third crank film but i feel like hardcore henry definitely could be a third crank film like chev Shelios just wakes up and he, he all of a sudden has all these robot limbs and he's also trying to fight this weird psychic <laughs> man and he's shooting people and doing all this stuff and crazy insane shit like fucking uh, I don't know, uh, fighting off a tank with a katana, then fl- falling from a helicopter into a, like a tree, then getting on a horse and riding off and all this shit that happens in this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, if you like that stuff and you can appreciate good filmmaking, and, and you know, I will say the, the, the biggest thing about the film is first person. I know with a lot of that type of stuff, like found footage movies and all this type of stuff, shaky cam and stuff can leave to motion sickness. I give this film so much credit because it's a big action. It has tons of action scenes and all these big things. And it's all first person in the theater here at home. And I was watching it again last night before this episode. Never did I feel like any motion sickness or have any trouble with it, mm-hmm. which is a huge thing. Cause I, I, 
a lot of found footage films, but like just kind of the jerky nature of them, like whoever's holding the camera and type of stuff, that really kind of bothers me. Like even things like the first Blair Witch Project, there's like moments in the film I have huge trouble with. Even videos on YouTube where someone's filming something with their phone, like just the shaking is sometimes really sets me off. Right, right. It gives me issues. Harker Henry, not at all. That's great. I was like, like maybe five minutes of the film, it's kind of like, well, you're kind of getting adjusted, but then you are like in it. You are like immersed into the film and you are just following everything perfectly. That's great. So that's another big plus I'll give the film. Uh, Rachel, for the most part, she has tons of trouble with motion, motion stuff like that. She was able to catch, like, watch, like, I guess, like 80% of the film. The last, like, final act is pretty heavy in action, so obviously it's moving a lot, so you might have some issues there. But mm-hmm. no, I, I never had, which, uh, so I'm kind of the middle ground on, like, motion sickness issues of, like, first person style stuff in films and things like that. And I thought it was fine. So there's another big positive for the film. Mm-hmm. So that's, that is my number two. I will need I'm, to check it out. I mean, the sheer fact of you saying that it's basically Crank 3 means I need to see it. It really is basically Crank 3. I mean, Ghost Rider 2 is basically Crank 3. Okay, okay, so this is going to follow the Jurassic Park lineage. So we had Jurassic <laughs> Park, we had Jurassic Park Lost World, then we had Godzilla, so that was Jurassic Park 3. So Jurassic Park 3 is Jurassic Park 4. <laughs> so now we're following that lineage. So, so you have Crank, Crank High Voltage, Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance, and then Hardcore Henry. Perfect. There we go. <laughs> Perfect franchise. Perfect franchise. <laughs> so, Steve, your number one favorite movie of 2016. All right, drum roll. <laughs> Batman v Superman, Donna Justice. Wait, Batman v Superman, colon, Donna Justice, colon, the ultimate cut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I preferred the uh, theatrical cut. Okay, kill yourself. Oh, uh, yeah, uh, this is, I don't think anyone is surprised by this. Maybe people are surprised that it's my number one. I don't think anyone's surprised that it's my top five. Probably the fact that you didn't hear it up to this point, you were expecting it. But I really stand by this. I fucking love Batman v Superman. I've rewatched this so many times, and it blows me away every time. I've made so many people watch this movie that just read on the internet that it was bad. And then they watched the movie, and they were just like, that was really good. Like, fucking right it was! Uh, the ultimate cut especially is gorgeous. It's perfect. Uh, the plot, the plot itself is really interesting. I love the characters. I love the characters so much. It has my favorite Batman. It has my favorite Superman. It has my favorite Alfred. It has my favorite Lex Luthor, which, in terms of live action, there's not much competition, so whatever. There's like two other options. There's two other options, and that's it. But I really like this interpretation. Um, it has, it has fucking Wonder Woman, fucking badass. Uh, the action scenes are great. These, uh, cerebral, um, making you actually fucking think and consider the themes of the film are all there, making you actually think outside the box. You know, the, it's, the story isn't handed to you on a fucking platter like a Saturday morning fucking cartoon. <sighs> but th- but it wasn't wasn't Golden Age Superman. He wasn't G Golly. I need some, I need some levity, Steve. Jesus Christ! This is the. I mean, I like the theatrical cut a lot. I believe you know. I mean, you, you guys remember if you listen to it, you remember our review as soon as we saw it in the theaters. Uh, but the ultimate cut really, I really believe that the ultimate cut really elevated this movie to my favorite superhero movie of all time. I think it is fucking amazing. Yeah. I think it is an epic in the traditional sense of the word. Um, it really pushes the envelope. It does things differently. It cares about emotions. It cares about, again, making you think, making you understand. It's big on visual imagery. It's big on um, uh, themes and ideas. It's not big on just wacky jokes and simple, straightforward plots that make little sense when you think about it. it there's a lot to this movie. Everything lines up. I think uh, you could not have done this movie in a better way 
in terms of something that I would enjoy. Like, you could have made this more like Civil War, and it might have been more accepted by general audiences, but then I wouldn't rank it as high as I do right now. Yeah. Um, I love Batman v Superman, Donna Justice, the Ultimate Cut. Very much. Um, it's, it still has a couple of issues. I don't mean it's an absolute, by far, perfect film. But in terms of my enjoyment, in terms of all the stuff that they did do right, the couple of things that are off that I'm not a fan of are not enough to affect the score whatsoever to me. This yeah. is a, an amazing film. Uh, my favorite superhero movie, period. And I obviously uh, the best superhero movie of the year. Uh, sorry, Internet. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I just I, I read people's issues with the film and I just can't fucking see them. Like, I struggle to see their points, and, like, there's some stuff that I can kind of see, but most of it is either, I don't know what you're seeing, or it is, you can apply this to almost any other superhero movie, why are you being so mean to this one? Yeah, it's a similar thing where some of the problems people have, Batman v Superman, Dawn Justice, not even, whatever, verse, both versions, Ultimate Cut and the Theatrical Cut, people would have problems with that, but say, but you have no issues with, like, the same problems that are in Civil War exactly. or something like that. Exactly, yeah. Like, that's, yeah. oh, the Lux Luthor's plot makes no sense. Like, are you fucking kidding me? He has way more of a plan, and it makes way more sense than Baron Zemo's fuck Nick bullshit out of nowhere. If literally one thing changes, his entire plan goes to shit. That we're expected to believe one man orchestrated all that. At least, now... One him- average dude! <laughs> no, he was, he was special, he was a cool dude. Money can do everything if you have time. <laughs> Or, but, you know, I, I give, give some credit. At least the theatrical cut was cutting a lot of corners and explaining how Luther's plot worked. It, the ultimate cut fixed a lot of the problems with that. For sure. Where they showed a lot more stuff. But mm. even then, it's still, it's like, you can't, I, that's a, a common complaint. Like, people will say shit about DC films, but Marvel films do it the same, the exact same way. And then those aren't negatives anymore right. for some reason. Right. Yeah, it's kind of confusing. I, I, just, I just loved it. The, the idea that they made a Batman film, or a, ba- a film with Batman in it, and I feel a lot of people missed it. It's the idea that Batman is the villain. And way, yet yeah. people are complaining that Batman's really mean. Yeah. <laughs> like, Because it's, it's really drawing into line the questioning of, like, is Batman a hero? Exactly. Because he's doing some pretty fucked up some things. pretty now, fucked up it, shit. You know. But think it's the same. But it's also about his redemption, and that's the fucking point. Like it, the idea is that Batman has become very villainous in this sense. He's become dark. He's gone to a very dark place. And the fucking hope and purity of Superman. Oh, but Superman's not. Go fuck yourself. This is Superman. He's just in a world that doesn't trust him. This mm-hmm. is Superman. And the fuck the hope and selflessness of Superman brings Batman back to the light, and that's fucking awesome. And totally explains yeah. why when Superman comes back in Justice League, Batman's going to be like, "Yay, I'm actually happy." Yeah. And why they become best super bros. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And I was saying, not people's negativity towards the film, I think, also comes from the fact that these are characters that have many different interpretations and many. different ways can view them. And so, for some reason, if the film doesn't match your interpretation of the character. That means they got the character wrong. Which is a big like struggle that the DC films have because and that's why I think that they can do the Justice League film because the DC characters even Aquaman are all so much more recognizable than the Avengers until recently. Yeah. Um there's so many different interpretations of Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman and everyone has their own personal canon of what they think the true version of these characters are versus uh no one knew who the fuck Iron Man was prior to Iron Man 
or any of these other, like, uh, C-list, B-list characters that Marvel's making movies about. So Marvel can do whatever they want with the characters, and people see these characters with a blank state of mind, so they're much more accepting of Marvel's decisions, even though, again, much of what you can... Much of the complaints about Batman v Superman you can apply to Civil War or other Marvel movies. But since people don't have yeah. these preconceived notions about the characters because they don't know who the fuck they are, no one cares. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yeah. But yeah, no, my number one the movie of the year, Batman v Superman, Ultimate Cut, absolutely. Awesome. My number one. <laughs> Surprising nobody, it's Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Pew pew. Pew pew. Uh, I like Star Wars. Oh, okay. I'm a pretty big fan of Star Wars. Uh, and, um, you know, Rogue One was great. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, thanks for joining us on the podcast. <laughs> no, like last year, Force Awakens, I thought was, I loved it, but it didn't make my favorite, because Turbo Kid is my favorite. This year, Rogue One hits it perfect. Rogue One blows Force Awakens out of the fucking water, I as far as I'm concerned. I definitely agree with that. I, this is my, my first initial reaction to the film when I saw it on opening day was I loved it and I, I did, I've seen it a couple of times since then to really kind of confirm. Now, I, obviously, I might be still be riding a high. Maybe it's not, not my one, but still, like I said, the Hardcore Henry was very close to edging this one out, but this one kind of won because it's Star Wars for me personally. Mm-hmm. Rogue One feels like a better Star Wars film where like of telling its own story while Force Awakens while it was really enjoyable, felt so hamstringed into A, kind of rebooting the franchise, getting it back on good terms with people. So they had to stuff it with so much fan service moments mm-hmm. to the point where they're retelling A New Hope. Right. And all this such. And I, it, I've i seen so many people say that Rogue One is too fan service which they can kiss my fucking ass. Compared to Force Awakens, no. Exactly. Compared to Force Awakens, absolutely not. I mean, maybe absolutely the last not. line in the movie was a little ham fisty, but even then, I didn't mind. I don't mind some cornball-y, like the whole rebellion hope type. So I don't mind that. that you know that 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 feels Star Warsy to mm-hmm. me. And a film, you know, and I've also, goddamn, um, I some of my review for this film might be complaining about other people. <laughs> I, I will say, twenty sixteen is a good, interesting year for how polarizing film has been for people. Yes. Because you either love Batman v Superman or you hated it. Same thing of like with Rogue One right now. There's a lot of people who don't like do not like this film, and then there's a lot. There's and I say there's an okay little, little itty bit in the middle ground where people are like okay. Then there's people who loved it, mm-hmm. and it's interesting how polarizing it is. As opposed to like Force Awakens, which I feel like everyone was just universally praising it. Which I'm not saying it was. I thought it was a good movie. I just felt it was really anchored down by trying to like reboot the franchise and be fan, be super fan servicey in my opinion. Right. Rogue One. Another reason why I love it is it's a war movie. Mm-hmm. It definitely is. It is a war movie. You could take the general story, plop this movie into World War II, you'd have it. It's a war movie. And it, 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 again, I will say my positives are things that people are saying negatives. Like, oh, there's so many characters, there's so much stuff happening. It's like, you didn't say these fucking things about Inglorious Bastards, and you fucking love that movie. I can't tell you most anyone that movie besides Aldo Rain, which was um, uh, Brad Brad Pitt's uh, character's name, if right. I remember correctly. I, got, I, got, I can tell you the Bear Jew. And that's it. Yeah, I, can tell, I, I know who the characters are. I don't remember their fucking names. Right. That's the same with Rogue One. That that I personally, in my opinion, that is how that that is a good war movie. Mm-hmm. When you have memorable characters, but you're not necessarily so caught up in like knowing, making sure you know everybody's name. You don't have to know like there's no like Ray Finn or or um fuck what was uh the other guy's name? I can't remember his name. But whatever. Force Awakens. I can't remember their characters' names. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say everything, but. Or PB8 and Kylo Princess Ren. Princess Kylo. 
<laughs> Francis Kyle is great. But but before with Rogue One, like I still like I love all the characters. We got to follow along this cool like anthology, this little story and these set that's setting up all these anthology movies that are coming out. So we got to find out how the Rebel Alliance and or rather the the Corvette that uh, Princess Leia was on, how they came into contact with the Death Star plans. We get to find out that story. Obviously, I think everyone knows what this film is about. I think everyone's going to see this fucking movie by the time this episode drops. Yeah. I still try to remain refrain from spoilers, but. It's a war movie. You know how mm. war movies go, so you should not be surprised how this movie ends at all. Right. There are many things. Uh, but I will, like, so more specific positives. I think the production and design on this film is incredible. Blows Force Awakens out of the water. That is one, because I'm not a Star Wars fan whatsoever. Yes. Um, I would rank Rogue One in third place, I think, on Star Wars movies. For me, it's, for mm-hmm. me, it's Jedi, Empire, and then Rogue One, uh, which to me still counts for something. Oh yeah, totally. Um, but like, it was it was just okay because I'm a non Star Wars fan. But when it comes to like designs and like art decisions and stuff, this film is fantastic. I told Bill and I told other people, bar by far, my favorite part of the film, and it's something that I feel like a lot of people wouldn't notice. But my favorite part of the film was the fact that they went out of their way to give a lot of the male characters '70s era facial hair, just so that it visually lines up with a New Hope more. That's my favorite thing about New Hope is that you have all these like <laughs> 1970s British character actors with like their huge mutton chops and like facial yeah. hair, all these people just in this like the biggest film of all time pretty much yep. the cementing that style for like for for decades and decades ago yep. you know so watch that movie and see all these like just British character actors all the <laughs> Awesome, awesome seventies hairstyles. It was fantastic, and they and the fact that they do that for Rogue One adds a level of like world building. Building whereas like during this era in the Star Wars universe, that was trendy. That was just that was visually trendy, and like a lot of people did it. Yeah, and on top of the fact that all the ships looked like looked like they belong in Star Wars, they were so dirty, lived in similar to New Hope. Yes. They made sure to desi- design Vader's costume similar to how it was in a new hope because a new hope the costume is garbage i think everyone talks about that 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 costume is barely holding yeah. together and you can see like fingerprints and stuff in the helmets up they didn't quite go that far but they tried to make it look a little similar to it so it's kind of kind of kind of crappy which i super appreciate i mean just everything else like all the I, I i will say i think the the final act of the film is probably the best final act in any star wars film mm-hmm. just purely if you're a fan of I guess the culmination of the war movie st- genre stuff, but also just the space battle. That space battle is probably the is, in my opinion, the best in, in the Star Wars franchise. I think everything involving the second Death Star over the Forest Moon of Endor and Return of the Jedi is really cool. But I think the amount of stuff and the amount of different things they go with in Rogue One it surpasses it, in my opinion. I think that overall. The space battle in Jedi is still my favorite of the franchise, mm-hmm. but uh, there's a couple set pieces in the space battle of this one which are phenomenal. Oh yeah. Also, and just the little also, things. and it's not. I don't think this is a major spoiler, whatever, um, because it's so inconsequential. But my favorite cameos of the film isn't Vader. It's not Grand Moff Tarkin. It's not the surprise cameos. It's none of that. My favorite cameos of the entire film was seeing Red Leader and Gold Leader. Oh yeah. I audibly... Like, I lost I was, my I just, shit! I was just like, yeah! It, it was just one of those, like, total, like, I can't, I don't help it. I just go, ha! Like, when I saw Red Leader, I was like, ha! I was like, I, I just can, involuntarily just did that. Like, everyone else didn't really care. I was, like, losing my shit that they're using the stock footage from a new Yep. Hope. It was great. It, it was, was so good. 
Fantastic. Even got a red five uh, mention. Uh, he did not make it. So the new red five also did not make oh, it. Sorry. <laughs> it came to the uh, assault over Yavin four and the death star. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, I, so yeah, the cast is fantastic. Uh, K2SO is a great character. It's the type of comedic relief character you'd think might be grating, but I thought it was pretty perfect. Yes. Definitely enjoyed that. And, I, and the tone of the film. The tone of the film is very dark and dour. Because it's a war movie. <laughs> my my most angry complaint about this film is people saying the movie wasn't fun like Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. To which I said, you must not like Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> hey, Empire's the worst one. Because that movie's not fun. It's, and that's why I love this movie. It's it's up, it's close to Empire for me personally. That's why it's my favorite of the year because I love films like this. I like films that you know try, aren't you know trying to be super like hoo-hoo. like you got some jokes and stuff with K two S O which I really enjoy. Yeah, but just the tone for a Star Wars film. This is amazing. I loved it. It was so good. That's I mean I'm not saying it's as good as Empire because I don't think any film can be as good as Empire in this in this franchise. Mm-hmm. But it's tonally it's another kind of dark sad movie mm-hmm. and that's what that's what it set out to be and i think going into it i think that's what you should be expecting because I, I i certainly was expecting that going into it and i super gave the film a the film a big thumbs up just for going for it you know mm-hmm. like type of films like this might have might give you some big old happy ending now obviously there's the the, the message of hope and everything obviously that leads into a new hope. yeah it still ends up being uh-huh. optimistic Exactly. Uh, the, end, the movie in the end is still optimistic, but obviously it takes a lot of, you know, death to get there. Mm-hmm. And that shows you the, the true price of everything. And so, uh, yeah, that's why it's number one on my list. Do you think um, Donnie Yen and the other guy? Well, uh, Wen Cheng. Thank you. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Jen Wang. Uh, sorry. Jen. Jen Wen. Jen Wen. I got it right in front of me. I can say it right this there time. We go. Um, yes. Do you think that their characters were just really good friends, or do you think that they were um, gay? I think they were really good friends. I, I I I took it that way, but then like the death scene made me think, oh, maybe I don't know, but it doesn't matter at no. the end of the day. It doesn't matter. Now this is it was just it more of a curiosity thing. It's not. It doesn't matter. But it, the thing what gets me is everyone. I know this is just because of the culture we live in, where everyone has to make take every assumption because there's art. People have to write articles and make clickbait money. Yeah. So I, I, I get everyone just always automatically interpreting. Anytime there are two same-sex people who are, who are close, good friends. They, must Im- they must immediately be gay. Yeah. And it's cool if that is the case, like the filmmakers intended that. I just interpreted it as, these are just lifelong friends. They clearly they were at the temple in Jeddah for their entire lives. They are just, you know, they're their companions. Yeah. That, uh, in my opinion, that's how I would take it. Again, just a curiosity. I think, I think that they should be straight, but that Finn should be gay for Poe. You think so? Uh, just because I think that'd be awesome. Because Poe is so goddamn handsome, and yeah, he's and he's so dreamy. Like uh, if I wasn't gay and Poe gave me his jacket, I would blush. And yeah, and I have no problem if they do that. I have zero problem. I just hope it's uh, the problem with that type of stuff anymore. Is it's very easy to come off ham fisted and like a studio trying to cash in on something. Yeah. Some in Marvel or DC or anything, make a character gay and then like make some big press announcement yeah. saying this character's yeah, gay. Seriously. It's like, it, it, it's such a strong, for me personally, you got to make sure it comes off convincing and natural. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm a, I, I don't, I, I don't mind. I don't, I don't care about character sexuality. Trust me. Mm-hmm. I'm just super cynical about how studios present it and handle it in films. Yeah, for sure. Agreed. Cause it sounds like they're trying to meet a quote, like similar to casting. Like when Donnie Yen got cast, I was like, Donnie Yen's a great actor. Don't get me wrong. I love his stuff. 
but it felt like he was being cast in this film to fit a, fit the demographic to hit the China market. Mm-hmm. But I got to be honest, since I love Donnie Yen, I was pretty happy. And again, again, I, my happiness for him overtook my cynicism for the casting. For sure. Plus, plus, plus uh, um, uh, uh, Jen Wang and Donnie Yen were like two of my favorite characters. In they the were. They were super fantastic. He had some great lines, got to do some great stuff, and happily had some of the best, you know, heartfelt moments mm-hmm. in the film. Oh, they really did. Of the crew, I mean, aside just, from K2, they were my favorite. You know, I really liked Jane Erso. I really liked Felicity Jones in this film. I know a lot of people are dogging her, saying her character had no charisma, no personality, but I, for me personally, I dug it. I was down for it mm-hmm. all. I thought she was fine. I also liked seeing Mads Mikkelsen on screen doing stuff. I thought Diego Luna was awesome as Cassie Nandor. I appreciated that the male lead of the film was not a swashbuckling hero, that he was a horrible terrorist. A horrible murdering terrorist. Like, this film did a good job of showing the dirty side of the rebellion. You know, in a franchise that make in a franchise that tries to make everything very black and white, Mm -hmm. um, I appreciated adding at least a little bit of gray. I mean, clearly, the Empire are, are way bigger dicks. Yeah. Way bigger dicks by comparison, but I appreciated that they showed the rebellion is also dirty. Oh yeah, and I think that was definitely needed, and definitely, definitely, definitely was appreciated. Because mm-hmm. yeah, the film doesn't try to make it seem okay with the shit he does, and even he, he himself knows that he does terrible mm-hmm. shit, and that that's why you know what leads to the end of the film where they're trying to you know him and a bunch of other people that work for the rebellion are trying to make good on their good on, good on that and try to do something good for once mm-hmm. instead of instead of just being you know saboteurs and assassins, right? such so and also liked uh, ben middleson as or- orson karnick he was the director of operations for the empire he's a cool guy he's a cool guy and uh i this has been talked enough i i will say i had zero problem with cgi grandma Tarkin. i also had zero problems i never once like people for some reason this is worse if, if if you have a cg character and for like the first time you see it, you go oh okay that's apparently the worst thing ever like <laughs> the uncanny valley I'm like yeah I know, I know, I know. Peter Cushing's dead. I know this. That's okay. I I thought it looked great. I thought it looked. Great. I thought it, it, the the amount of like leaps we've had since Clue and Tron Legacy, yeah. and even that, I still think looks good. Not great, but it's passable. It's not enough for me to shit on the film. And yeah. we've had and we've had so many leaps. Yeah, he looks great. I hope that they uh, rendered his CG body with slippers, <laughs> little bunny slippers. I thought he's great, honestly. I, I thought I thought we're who is crazy. his voice actor? I don't know. I'm looking forward to the film coming out. A to see if we get any deleted stuff to see like what was some of the reshoot mm-hmm. stuff, and B just to see how they created it because I'm very curious. Because I know a lot of people complain about just get a lookalike actor, do some makeup, and then go from there. But I don't know. I thought I I think that would have been more distracting than necessarily. I agree this. completely. I think, I think Graham Moff Tarkins are, uh, and Peter Cushing are recognizable enough that you can obviously like recast Mon Mothma and other people at the Rebel base. Yeah. But Peter Cushing and Graham Moff Tarkin, you, mm, I think this was the right way to go. Because mm-hmm. you can't tell a story about the Death Star and not include Graham Moff Tarkin. Yeah, you can't. Because the story behind that and story everything in the extended universe, everything else, it's like that entire project was his baby. Mm-hmm. And like an idea for him to kind of usurp the Emperor in a lot of ways. His power hungriness, but I feel like we're going on forever. Great Rogue One, my favorite number one, favorite film of the year, hands down. Loved it. Seen it three times already. I I might see it again. I don't know. You know, of all the films I saw this year, it's definitely the only, the only film I've seen this many times in theaters, which is saying something. Mm-hmm. So, my official rankings, I do like it a bit more in Return of the Jedi because I do have a lot of problems with Return of the Jedi. So my rankings would probably still go Empire, A New Hope, and then now actually then they'd yeah, be Rogue One. Followed by Return of the Jedi, followed by uh, Force Awakens. Okay. 
Force Awakens used to did kind of high, was higher return, but over time, the more I think about it, I do still like a lot of things in return more than I do Force right. Awakens. So for people who wanted my my rankings, this is the best prequel. You got the best prequel. That's now. for sure. Just slightly better than the Phantom Menace. <laughs> Oh my god, Famous. Oh, Famous, you know what? Not as bad as Attack of the Clones. No, absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. Anyone that thinks Attack of the Clones is better needs to sit down and rewatch both his fucking movies back to back. Because goddamn. Attack the Phantom Menace is boring at times and I get annoyed with at times. Attack of the Clones makes me consistently angry. I a mini review of Attack of the Clones, real quick. I like all the stuff of Obi Wan. I hate everything of Anakin and Padme. Yes. And that's half the movie, so there you go. There you go, guys. On top of just the everything else in the wrong movie. Uh, but if you want to let us know why you love Attack of the Clones, <laughs> you can email us at moviefilmsatbillandsteve.gmail.com. You can also find us on Tumblr at moviefilmsatbillandsteve.tumblr.com. And we're also on Facebook. Just look at Movie Films of Bill and Steve. We're also on iTunes. Just look us up. Give us a five-star review. And give us your top five list for 2016. Love to hear from you. And we also have a Stitcher account. You can find us on the website or on their mobile app. That's really cool. And I'm also on Twitter at Lovable Bill. And of course, folks, you can check out my movies, uh, SilverSpotlightFilms.com, Facebook.com slash SilverSpotlightFilms. And if you would like to, if you're thinking about making your top of 2016 list, be sure you buy a copy of Karis Hell on DVD or Blu-ray so you can add it to your list because you know you will. And you can just go straight to KarisHell.com for a more quick, quick find of uh, picking up on the store. Awesome. And if, you, and if you want to look at me in spandex, uh, facebook.com slash the amazing spider Steve. Fantastic, guys. Well, it's been a great 2016. We have so many great things planned for 2017. You guys don't even fucking know. It's the most amount of planning we've ever done for this podcast, and it's very exciting. I hope you guys will stick with us for a fantastic 2017. And I hope you have a happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Uh, Christmas Hanukkah Kwanzaa. That's what they say to all the girls and boys. Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. Well, as always, I've been Bill. I've been Steve. And here is the last, last action hero quote of 2016. Look, I really don't like you, all right? You brought me nothing but pain. <laughs>